0: Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. I'm Lori Steele. I
1: am Joey Boudreaux.
2: I'm Sally Gentry.
0: We are the voices here on The Gifted Life, but we have a cool team that we get to represent, right? Each and every day they go out and make
2: life happen. Absolutely. And speaking of making life happen... What is this that we hear about you receiving an award in New York City? You New heard York something City? About that? Yes. Uh, yeah, tell us about it. I was representing our cool
0: team here at LOPA, the Louisiana, Oregon Procurement Agency. The PR News did a national search for those who excel in the PR world. Ooh. And so LOPA
2: got on up there and I got to be up there accepting an award on our behalf. Oh, Lori, I think you're being way too modest. I understand it was like the top women in public relations across the United States.
0: Yeah, it was something like that. Top women in, in PR from across the country. But like I said, I was just proud to be representing. Couldn't have done it without my boss, Kirsten. Shalons on our team, Sam. So a lot of things that we do, you guys here at the podcast, what we do at LSU, it uh, takes partnerships, takes relationships. So I'll accept on on everyone's behalf who Ah. makes life happen. We like that.
1: She deflects. That's that's (laughs) so nice of her. I want to know, so you were in there in that big room with some of the top professionals in the entire world. What was your favorite part about being there?
0: It was neat. It was a whirlwind. It was overwhelming. But I have to say the story that I came back with was that I think we were supposed to be there. I think we were supposed to be in that room because when we went to pick out our table, the person who came to sit with us was a transplant recipient not once but twice and he was so proud that we were there that our organization what we do was being recognized in that room that day so shout out to Todd hopefully we can mm-hmm. work with him this year in 2018 to help make life happen but i thought that was pretty neat and i said man yeah we belong here so it was yep. pretty neat to get oh, that, that recognition yeah. and everybody you know. got to hear what we do here in louisiana and what we're trying to do and move it forward so that was special. Yes, yes thank you. Thanks for, Thanks for mentioning. Thanks for mentioning. Certainly, my team, qu- my team. Woman.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we're proud of you.
0: We all work together. That's how we get there. Yeah. That's how it works, guys. On this episode, we're also going to tell you how one person made a difference. This is quite an incredible story.
1: Yes, it is. We're going to be talking to a gentleman who served our country both as a police officer and the Marine. Not only did he do that. Mm-hmm. He did something even more special, right, Sal?
2: Yes, indeed. This guy decided to be a living donor to help a friend, which is a fabulous way to Mm -hmm. give the gift of life. We're going to tell you how that story unfolded and how that story got to
0: us here on The Gifted Life, and we are going to share that with you, and we hope that it inspires you to share with others, guys. We try to make it as easy as possible.
1: As usual, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Or whatever your favorite podcast app might be.
0: Yeah, and go back to Facebook, Donate Life Louisiana. A lot of what we talk about here on the podcast can be seen there. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Donate Life LA. And don't forget,
2: you can always give us a call. You want to know what that number is? Yes. Do you know it off the top of your head, Sal? I I think I still remember. (laughs) It's been a few months, but I think I still remember. (laughs) It's 504 648 3477. Give us a call.
0: That's the hotline. I like to say you can do it on your PJs like at 2 o'clock in the morning. Leave a voicemail, and we may use that audio here on the podcast. Our goal is to spur those healthy conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation, and you are an important part of that. You guys ready? Yep. Yep. I'm excited to hear this story. Here we go. All right, guys, we have quite the story for you. Joining us now by phone is Christopher Babin. Hey, Chris. Hey, good morning. Welcome to The Gifted Life. We are excited because you reached out to us, and it was around Christmas time, and you started sharing your story. And so I guess I want to start with what prompted you around the holidays to reach out.
3: Well, I can tell you that making a decision to become a living donor was obviously not one that I took you know, very lightly, but it was one that I was committed to and really wanted to be able to get involved in. And I know that it's something that's often overlooked as an option for a lot of those that that might need um, some type of organ transplant. And um, around the Christmas time uh, in December, I had finished my first post-surgery full marathon. And with that reassurance that my health was back in line, I really, you know, felt like I could be a voice for Future potential living donors um I felt like when I did some research and stuff when I looked into that and about two years ago um when I started the process, there is a lot online you know I think you know the internet helps you know social media and all that definitely helped, but I just felt it on my heart to share my story that way um even if I can through the success of my story help you know one person receive um the organ that they're you know looking for. Wow. Um, that it would definitely be worth it. I'm not normally the kind of person that, you know, talks about my personal stories and that kind of thing, but I just felt if if I wasn't going to be somebody to talk about the success of living organ donation, then, then I don't know who else would be.
1: Yeah, and, and clearly you've got giving ingrained in your nature. You know, looking back at, at your story, I see that you were not only a police officer serving our country, but you also served, in the military as a Marine. Yes, sir. That's that's. Uh, can I can hear amazing. that in your voice. Yeah. I can hear that. I well.
0: That's how you travel, man. I, I, <laughs> I like uh, that.
1: I was in the Army National Guard. I always have a piece of my heart out to those that serve, so I appreciate that.
3: Right. I came here. I appreciate that.
2: Chris, I have a question for you. I'm wondering when you made this decision, how did you and your family talk about this or come to the decision that this is really the right thing to do.
3: Well, um it wasn't something we were looking for, which I think is probably how these situations normally come around. We um we had a good family friend of ours. Actually, my brother-in-law's best friend's wife was uh, the recipient uh, uh-huh. of my kidney, and close knit family. Y'all are you know mm-hmm. from where you guys said you're from. Y'all are familiar with yep. South Louisiana. And how it. how close families become. And when um, I met my wife years and years ago. Um, this was a, a couple that, that we met and became friends with and uh, never really knew much about um, her having polycystic kidney disease and the genetic issues that she had. It wasn't something that she walked around and talked about, mm-hmm. um, but when it came to the surface that her kidney function um, had declined enough that she was going to neither either need to start dialysis or and or go on the transplant list, it was just something that it just kind of popped in my head like I've heard of people donating a kidney alive, you know, not just you know from cadavers or, or people that have passed away and um I told my wife about it, and she said, well let's let's look into it, you know I, and we didn't know if we should tell her right away that we were looking into it or see if I was a match first, and um we kind of just started that conversation, and then everything just kind of transpired from there, but it was just um. It was just heavy on my heart, I guess, but I felt like um, maybe I could be the one to do this, and, um, you know, I'm a believer in God, and just kind of prayed about it and put it in His hands and um, just kind of got walked right through the process. So it wasn't a decision, you know, I took or my family took lightly, but mm-hmm. it was definitely one that, that kind of popped up on us that, you know, I was willing to accept and, uh, you know, has worked out tremendously
1: well. Well, That's great. So you talked about starting that process of matching, you know, because as we've talked about it on The Gifted Life, uh, you know, in the past, kidneys are the most specific as far as a matching is concerned. It's not just, you know, if you're a similar height and weight and, and blood type. There are more, you know, things that go into kidney donation and matching outside of just that. There's a specific antigen matching that takes place as well. So oftentimes, you know, people go through the process and unfortunately aren't that matched like you were. So first, tell me how long that process took. And then second, I'm really curious, what kind of emotions did you have when you were informed that this was something that you can
3: actually do? So the process itself wasn't quick, um, but it was very organized. Ashna um, did a, you know, a phenomenal job with, making sure that I was informed and the information that I had. And, you know, I did actually talk to um, my recipient before and just between my wife and I, let her and her husband know that I was going to go through the process. And, and first of all, you know, have to make sure that my health was in line before they would even check to see if I right. was a match. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do some blood work and get some things done, make, make sure my kidney function was good, just preliminary things. And then um, from there, once once my health was, um, in line enough to, to move forward with deciding whether or not I was a match. You know, I had spoken with my donor coordinator. You know, you get assigned a donor coordinator at Osner's at, um, Multi-Organ Transplant Institute, and um, she was always available when I needed her. It kept me very informed, but, you know, she let me know, okay, your, your health's good enough. You know, it looks like you might be able to be a donor. Um, let's go through and see if you're a match for, for your specific recipient because you can register to be a living donor for for an anonymous person that you don't know. Um mm-hmm. I started the process obviously for specific recipient and um the emotions at that point you know turned from you know initially it's excitement I'm I'm glad I'm going to be able to help somebody to I got a little anxious you know trying mm-hmm. to waiting on that process to decide mm-hmm. to be told whether or not I was a match and um you know it's just incredible the way that things work out um, and you know I went through and and decided you know did the testing and i don't I don't even remember what all the testing was, but they do check antigens and and all these different things that way her body doesn't reject the kidney and stuff like that and um through that testing it was it was discovered that we were a match on on so many different levels. Um, more than the average, and we, as far as we know, aren't related at all, but um, we are a very, very close match, um, which obviously was um, approved by the doctors and the surgeons to continue to move forward. Um, anxiousness at that time turned into more excitement, but there was still a lot of testing to be done, and, um, you know, it's it's incredible the way that that things work out because um, my recipient's mother had been struggling with, with cancer and her health was not doing very well. And they give me all of the information and then they, they allow the donor to communicate with the recipient. Um, okay. a lot of that's to protect the donor just in case at any point I want to, you know, back out of the process for whatever reason. And, you know, they don't want anybody to ever feel pressured. So they mm-hmm. always gave me the information and I'm sure her, um, you know, she was also anxious but also waiting to hear from me on different as different steps through the process went. And um you know, the day that I found out that I was you know, approved and a match and was gonna be able to move forward in the process was a very tough day um for her and her life with her mother because that was the day they found out that her mom was gonna have to go in hospice. Mm-hmm. So it was uh very incredible the way the way it worked out and, and just the timing of it all and um you know I'm thankful for it but the uh, from there the process went you know fairly well. Um, went through a lot more testing. They do a lot more than just blood testing and stuff. They do um ultrasounds and uh, inject and die in the kidneys and you know uh twenty four hour, forty eight hour urine collections, all these different things, but so, one, to make sure that they're going to give a recipient a kidney that is healthy, but also to make sure that I'm not in any kind of jeopardy once the surgery's over. Right. And um, the process at that point, you know, was pretty expedient. And then before we knew it, we had a uh, last couple meetings with, uh, we met together at, at New in New Orleans at Oshner's before the, the finalization of everything. and. Um, then they had the surgery on on June sixth of two thousand and sixteen,
2: so Chris, how has this impacted the relationship between your families now? when I say your families, you know the recipient, her family, you and your family?
3: We are a lot closer.
0: It's quite a gift, Chris. yeah,
3: you know, with my recipient and her husband, i uh, you know knew them obviously beforehand, but i I spend a lot more time with them now. I think we're um we're a lot closer. It's not something that we Get together and talk about mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. very often, and it's not something that I ever you know ever have expected anything in return for, but we've definitely grown our um relationship between my wife and i and 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 her and her husband as well. We've definitely grown quite a bit, and we're a lot closer you know mm-hmm. because there there's a connection there that that obviously I don't share with anybody else mm-hmm. and it's very special
0: wow. Here on The Gifted Life, we always talk about one person making a difference, and today that person would be you. We love to hear the motivation behind someone doing something so selfless, and that's amazing. So we get through the, the surgery, we, we save someone's life, you guys are, are, are cracking along, and you continue to push the limits because you are you seem to be a marathon guy, a triathlon yeah. guy, and, and you're still able to do all this and more?
3: Right. My biggest challenge for myself, um, following the surgery was, you know, staying inactive for a little while to make sure that I could recover properly, and I, I did pretty well. Um, I think I got touched up by my wife a couple of times, trying to, try to do a little more than I should. That'd be itching. <laughs> That's what
0: we do, Chris. That's yeah. what we do, protecting you guys. <laughs>
1: and I'd have been just like right. you, <laughs> trying to get out there.
3: Right, but um, you know, I'd run a couple marathons and, and got kind of heavy into the, the endurance running and stuff after I got out of the Marine Corps and, It was something I mentally challenged myself with wanting to do again, Um, not just for myself to prove to myself that I could maintain an active lifestyle, but um, I knew that once I had achieved being able to run a full marathon again post-surgery, that that would be kind of the benchmark that would allow me to to share my story. And um, not just in terms of, yeah, I'm just as healthy as I was before, but you know, actual proof that I'm as healthy as I was before and continue to be. And because um, I know that's a, that's a lot of reservations somebody might have before they would get involved in a process like that would be how much is this going to impact me in the future, you know, which is very normal. I, I had the same thought.
1: Uh, you have a high benchmark <laughs> <laughs> running a marathon.
0: I know. I was reading and I was like, oh, I'm tired just reading about this guy already. <laughs> Um, you inspire us to go out and, and do more.
1: I was curious as a fellow, I would like to call myself athlete because I do CrossFit <laughs> for the last six Sally, or seven I was, years. I was wondering what he was
2: going <laughs> to come up with. I
1: but I do like to run myself, you know, but I don't do the marathons, but I like to run, you know, five to 10 miles, 10 Ks and things like that. Uh, I'm right. curious how your training has changed or has it changed at all since you've donated? Has it has, have you had to pay more attention to certain things, certain electrolytes, fluids, whatever differently than you did before uh, in your training for marathons?
3: you know the biggest the biggest difference that was stressed you know by the doctors um, after was hydration, you know, just making sure that I'm hydrated, running days, non running days, just in general, um, you know, having you know one kidney versus two that staying hydrated is important. It it eases the kidney's, you know, ability to do its job and that kind of thing. So um, as far as the running and stuff, that would probably be the only thing that uh, I'd say I've paid the closest attention to. It hasn't really changed because I've always stayed pretty hydrated, but it's something that I make sure uh, to pay even closer attention to. But nothing else changed other than, you know, kind of being out of, of running for a good eight weeks. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously my fitness declined a little bit during that time. So, um, kind of getting back to the fitness level where I wanted to be, um, just through normal training. But nothing, nothing was really different, other than making sure I was hydrated.
1: You've got me convinced. So, so I'm trying to shave some time off. So now that you've got less weight of of that kidney, have, have you? Are you faster?
3: <laughs> that 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 has to be it. That's gotta be. Uh, uh, genius, Joe. December, you figured it is, out. Right. Uh, oh time my time in December was my best time, so it's got to be the be. <laughs> That's age. awesome.
0: Uh, continuing to push the right. limits. Uh, well, Chris, you you know you mentioned weeks of, of kind of low activity. Um, here on The Gifted Life, we always say, hey, if you have any questions, send them our way. And folks have been talking about living donation. I think you helped do that. We posted your story in December, and I got a lot of people talking. Uh, some of the questions that they're asking about, and if you're, if you're comfortable answering, um, yeah, sure. like payments, insurance, length of the hospital stay, what did you do about work, those kinds of logistics that some would have to think about before doing what you did and, and, and giving the gift of life as a living donor. Um, are you comfortable, Sharon?
3: So as far as the insurance, throughout the entire process, um, my recipient had uh, had her, her own insurance. I had my own insurance as well. Um, but her insurance, the recipient's insurance covered all of my doctor's visits, all of my labs, um, everything that I went through, her insurance covered it. I don't know if that's, um, the norm. I don't know if that's how all insurances work. I know that's something that Oshner took care of, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was never any, any burden on me, not only for the insurance, but, but even to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, Oshner and I'm sure other transplant institutes would be very similar. Um, they took all that on. Um, When I would go to the doctor, you know, I would go to the Ochsner sometimes in Baton Rouge um, to not have to go all the way to New Orleans for certain testing. And um, I would give them my information in a form that was sent to me in the mail that says um, I'm a potential living donor, like contact this person to discuss my insurance. And I didn't have to show an insurance card. Um, You know, they had that process very well managed, Mm -hmm. um, and that was never a burden for me. I was fortunate enough to work for... um, for a very good employer, so the time off, you know, a couple of days or a day here or there throughout the couple of months, um, to get blood work and stuff done was not an issue. And then I was out of work for, for two weeks with the surgery. I have, um, you know, I have a desk job, so a fairly, uh, fairly low, low active, um, job during the day. So, um, I was able to return to work after two weeks. And, uh, the hospitals say, I'll tell you, they used to, um, let people lay up in the bed for a while, but that was not all the not at all the case. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting um, you moving? Apparently, through the years in the medical industry, they discovered that the sooner you're active, the better. So, um, I got out of surgery one afternoon, the afternoon of June sixth, and um, that evening, very late that evening, I I made a lap around that floor <laughs> with the nurse before um, going to sleep that night. So I think you're
0: just built differently, number yeah. one. You know. <laughs> baby. I'm winded just talking to you here, seated. So you have children, Chris?
3: Yes, I have a stepdaughter. She's 13.
0: Yeah. And so moving forward, like how do you talk about that with children? What would you tell someone if they asked you for advice about doing exactly what you did?
3: You know, I think the advice, you know, would be to make sure that, you know, you do something that you're comfortable with. You know, I was, um, you know, blessed with a giving heart and I try to you know, I try to do as much as I can for people. So that was never really a a hard decision for me deciding whether or not I wanted to, to move forward. Um, but as the as the donor throughout the process you're protected so much and have so much opportunity, um, to, to back out of that process if it's not something you're comfortable with. And um, you know, I would hate for somebody to go through and, and become a living donor when they, they really didn't want to. Mm. Mm-hmm. But um, I I think that a lot of people would discover that they they really would be, um, you know, blessed enough to be able to be a living donor for someone and, um, you know, just just try to help others. One of the biggest, you have to meet with a a counselor before and you have to take psychological exams and different things just to make sure that Mm -hmm. this is really what you want to do and there's not going to be any repercussions after. Um, you know, it's not something that you're expecting something in return for or whatever the case may be. Um, but, you know, it was it was a process I went into, you know, wholeheartedly wanted to be a part of. That's, that's really would be my biggest advice to somebody is just follow your heart, follow your passion. And, um, you know, it all, it all works out in the end.
0: Wow. Well, here on The Gifted Life and at LOPA, we always try to inspire folks. We try to share stories. Uh, and, and so we are so grateful that you decided to share yours. And then we want to share with you, Chris, that uh, on December 28th, we shared a, a picture of you running in a marathon, It's not Joey. I thought we were trying to find uh, one of Joey, but he doesn't do those marathons, uh, But but you're up there. We shared your story and that reached over 9,000 people just through our outlet, which is incredible. So awesome. we talk about one person making a difference. Um, you were touching hearts with your story. So you coming forward, you're sharing your story. That's what we're trying to encourage people to do. You you did that. So we want to say thank you, Chris.
3: Wow, uh, thank you all so much.
0: We appreciate it. We hope that we uh, talk to you more in twenty eighteen. We want to hear about your next marathon. Maybe you and Joey can team up, train. Uh-huh. Sally, you can <laughs> hop on that train too. Oh yes, I I uh-huh. will be could. cheering you guys on. I'm the loudest Cajun out there, Chris. <laughs> Great. I don't Great. know, right, Joe? Do you agree? I'm pretty I agree. As long um, as
1: there's beer at the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. so chris if if you continue to share with us and we'll continue to share with folks, donate life Louisiana is our Facebook page or here on the gifted life, keep going out and making a difference, man. you really are changing the world and changing hearts. Thank
3: you so much thank you all so much. I really really appreciate it that you know getting that kind of reach is exactly you know was my intention just not even necessarily to make somebody feel as though they needed to be a living donor, but just to to promote the the health and the process of living donation and the ease of doing it, um, you know, being able to influence maybe just one person, I think, would uh, would definitely have a huge impact. So I definitely appreciate you all for, um, for for putting that on social media, for calling me today and letting me talk to you all a little bit. I definitely appreciate it.
0: All right. We're partners, man. Now you're stuck with us, Chris. Right. <laughs> when you run right. in that marathon, we're going to send you our pictures. We're going to put it on there because we can't run with you. I would pass right, out, right, right Seth? So? Yeah, you would. <laughs> We like you, man. We appreciate you. Thanks for what you do. We'll talk soon.
1: As always on the Gifted Life Podcast, we like to honor a hero. On today's episode, our hero is Randy Falgu.
0: And we hear about Randy from his family. Our beautiful son passed away following a massive heart attack. He was born in New Orleans in 1964. He was happy and loving. He had two brothers. He was an animal lover and a music lover, and he had so many friends. We donated his organs, and we do hope that by donating, many will benefit. We are proud that someone will be able to use his eyes to see and enjoy the world. We are missing Randy each and every day.
2: And now we pause to say thank you, Randy, for the gift of life.
0: Another episode of The Gifted Life coming to a close. You heard from Chris Babin on this podcast. Thanks to Chris for being a part of this podcast. He actually reached out to us, messaged us on Facebook because he wanted to talk about living donation. He wanted to share his story, the positive impact that he made. And we talk about one person making a difference. He's doing it. But we
2: want to hear your story.
1: Yeah, your question, a story, can inspire others to give the gift of life.
2: And remember, you can find us on social media, email us, or even call, and that number is 504-648-3477. Leave us a voicemail. Your story or question is important, and we'd like to hear from you. Yeah, maybe email is your thing, info at lopa.org. We just want to communicate
0: with you. We want to share your story because you could inspire others one person can make a difference that person could be you today now go out and do something that you don't normally do to help us make life happen because we know that you can registerme.org is the national registry you can sign up today if you haven't already we hope that you have a good one thanks for joining us This is a production of the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency, or LOPA. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sally Gentry. Our producers are Kirsten Hines and Shalon Caraway. We are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Metairie, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez.